This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Now, God having now cornered his man, we read what he did in verse 24. Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. A man appears, a mysterious man. A man appears with Jacob, and the man wrestles with Jacob. And our first question is, in fact, this was Jacob's question too, is that who is this man? What's his name? Who is this man who is wrestling with Jacob? And he, Jacob asked the question, and the man said, I'm not telling you my name. But Jacob knew who it was. Because he said in verse 30, verse 30, Jacob said, I've seen God face to face and my life is preserved. He saw God. He saw the saving God. He saw the life-giving God. And this man is God who's wrestling with Jacob. This shows the love of God. This is tremendous love. This shows the humility of God. This shows the condescension of God. God did not have to come down and wrestle all night with Jacob. And notice carefully in verse 24 that it doesn't say that Jacob wrestled with a man. But what it says is a man wrestled with Jacob, and that's important. Why? This is not a history of Jacob wrestling with God. This is a history of God wrestling with Jacob. It was God who came down and wrestled with him. Don't miss those words in verse 24 also that say, until the breaking of the day. That tells us this was a long, long night. Maybe it was eight hours of wrestling. This was an intense struggle. I mean, to think of the grace of it all. I mean, here's the all-powerful creator, the ruler of the universe. All God has to do is breathe on Jacob and or look at him with eyes of fire, and Jacob would have been cremated alive and turned to ashes. But God didn't do that. He condescended to wrestle with a puny little scheming deceiver for eight solid hours through this whole night. Why did God do that? Why did God spend so much time wrestling with Jacob? 
because during those eight hours of wrestling, and you can imagine all the grunting, all the dust, all the being thrown to the ground, all the air having been knocked out of Jacob, all the realization of who Jacob was came back to him. And during those eight hours of wrestling, Jacob wrestled and they changed their hand positions on each other. And Jacob cried and, and he could see himself so clearly. He could see himself as the stubborn, sinful, arrogant, deceiving, selfish liar. And think of it. Through the whole night, think of that every moment that they grunted for those eight hours, every moment they pushed each other, every moment they changed their grip, every moment they threw each other to the ground, every moment they came back to each other for more challenging. And as they did, the knowledge of Jacob's sinfulness and his stubbornness comes back to him. It took all night. It took all night for Jacob to be willing to be broken. And seeing this, when we see this, this should make us run away from stubbornness. It should make us run away from pride and arrogance and selfishness and lying, deceitfulness, because God will smash the Jacob in us so that the Israel of God can come out of us like it did here with Jacob. And what we see here is we can be sure if a person's saved and he belongs to him and there is stubbornness and arrogance and pride and selfishness, God's not gonna rest till he has broken it. God will continue to wrestle on and on and on. God has time and he won't stop wrestling as long as he sees that stubbornness and selfishness and pride and he'll continue to wrestle until there's a willingness to be broken. And when we see in this passage is that if a person is saved, then God is not gonna rest until he has broken that person. Now, after this whole night of wrestling, we see what God does next in verse 25, when it says, when he saw that he prevailed not against him. Think of that. Jacob just fought and fought and fought. He touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. You know, there's no reason to think that this whole wrestling night was silent that nobody spoke. There's no reason to think that. Probably there were questions going on asked through the night. Maybe God was asking Jacob, where does your strength lie? Where's your strength? What's the basis for that arrogant confidence in you? How is it that I can't prevail against you? Where can I touch you and bring you to your knees? I mean, wouldn't it be great? We sung, I surrender. Oh, wouldn't it be great? if now, if each one of us saw ourselves as Jacob and we said to the Lord, Lord, here it is. You don't have to wrestle with me. Here it is. Here's the area of my life I'm holding back. Here's my confidence in the flesh. This is the place where I won't surrender to you. This is the last bridge back to the world that I won't burn. Then God said, well, I must smash it. I must smash it. I must crush it. I must crush this resistance if you're gonna go on to be blessed. Jacob was a strong man. He was a strong man. I mean, we remember that when he arrived in Haran, first thing he did is he kissed Rachel and cried. Very strange. But then he goes to this, this rock that was on this well that took men, several men, to move, and barehanded by himself, he moves the rock so he can water Rachel's flock. He's a strong man. Now, he's been working with livestock for 25 years. He's strong. He's a strong man. He talked to Laban about that. He said, all night long, I was with the cattle, and I took care of them all. 
particularly his legs were strong, particularly his thigh was muscular. And you can picture Jacob during that wrestling night there with his big legs set on the ground, taking advantage, and the muscles rippling up the strength of his leg. That leg represented stubborn, proud, arrogant confidence of Jacob. And so we see God looking at that leg, that muscular leg, and saying, I see. Oh, I see. It's your leg. That's the source of your stubborn rebellion against me. So right there, God puts his finger into the thigh joint, and instantly, Jacob's leg is out of joint with a te- such a terrible pain that his leg just gave out from under him, and suddenly, Jacob can no longer fight. He can no longer fight. His leg is dangling from the socket. He's now, the fighting man has become a clinging man. He's clinging. With his leg dangling behind him, Jacob is holding on to God, and he won't let God go. And as we see God identify the source of Jacob's strength and smash it, we can hear God say to each one of us, what's the basis of our confidence? What's the basis? Is it our reputation? God will smash it. Is it our friends? God will smash it. Is it our money? God will smash it. Is it our health? God will smash it. And what we see in verse 25 is how God cripples his man. So God cornered his man, now God cripples his man. And in verse 24, we saw this, how God cornered his man. Verse 25, now how God cripples his man. So God crippled his man because God will not tolerate in us any kind of confidence in the flesh. He will smash it. He will smash it. Why? He's a jealous God. God's a jealous God. He wants us to have just one great confidence, and that's in God alone. That's in God alone, as it says in Romans 8, 7. The carnal man is enmity against God. It's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. At the cross, God wrote a sentence on everything that's carnal in our lives, and that sentence is the sentence of death. At the cross, God wrote the sentence of death on everything that's carnal in our lives. And just like God touched the hollow, the thigh joint here, of Jacob, God wants to touch that area of self-confidence in our lives till it just shrivels up and dies. And the cross has come right into the eye life until we decrease and he increases. Well, now Jacob's there. He's lost all his strength in his leg. He's watching his leg just dangle. And the man who is God says to Jacob in verse 26, let me go. He said, let me go for the day breaketh. And Jacob says, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. So now, (laughs) Jacob's hardly one to be calling terms now (laughs) with his leg dangling. The great fighter now has converted, and now he's a great clinger. The great fighter is now a great clinger because he clings to God, and he says he won't let God go unless God blesses him. Now, there's an important detail about this fight. It's not given to us here in Genesis 32, but it's given to us in Hosea. Hosea chapter 12, verse four. In Hosea chapter 12, verse four, there's a, there's a description of this night in Genesis 32, what was happening. There's a detail that we don't get. We can imagine it, but Hosea 12 says, it's talking in there about Jacob wrestling in Hosea 12, and it says, yea, he had power over the angel and prevailed. And then it says, he wept and made supplication to him, 
He found him in Bethel, and there he spake with us. Here we learn what happened to Jacob that night. Those words, he wept. He wept. Here's the man, Jacob, who never cried, except when he kissed Rachel. Here's the man, Jacob, who would not cry. Here's the man, Jacob, who could just laugh off all the troubles in his life and say, I'll win, I'll get away with it, I'll get what I want. Here's a man, Jacob, who's been arrogant, self-made man. Here's a man, Jacob, who's now crippled and crying like a baby in repentance, and he wept and made supplication. This is repentance. This is Jacob repenting. No one gets through to God without repentance. The message of the Lord Jesus Christ to the churches and the revelations in the chapter one and two and three, it's all the same. Repent, repent, repent. We preach repentance to the lost and forget that Christians also need to repent because Jacob cried his way to the heart of God. Jacob cried his way to the heart of God. Now Jacob throws his arms around God and says he won't let God go until he blesses him. And God says to Jacob for him to let him go, but Jacob just held on tighter until he blessed him. Jacob knew now he needed God. Jacob knew now that Jacob was no longer enough in his life. And Jacob just held on, and he held on until the blessing came. I wonder how many of us are willing to go home tonight, drop down on our knees, and open the Bible and say this message, Lord, I'm not going to leave kneeling before you until you bless me. Not until you bless me. Because this is a passage on how God corners his man how God cripples this man, and how he creates repentance and a clinging heart in a man. But thank God that this is not the end of the chapter. This isn't where it stops. Because God cripples his man so that he can crown him. And that's verse 27. Verse 27 where it says, and he said unto him, what's thy name? He said, Jacob. He said unto him, thy name shall be no more Jacob, but Israel. Israel, Sar Shalom, Sar, Prince. El, God, prince of God. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and hast prevailed. So what we see in verse 27 is God asked Jacob what his name was. Isn't that interesting? God asked Jacob what his name is. What, he forgot? He, he left his Rolodex at home? No, he said, I, I, just remember, what was your name again? No, he didn't do that. The name of Jacob, it comes from the word heal. Heal, it comes from the word heal. Because when Jacob was born, they named him Jacob because he was a heel catcher, because he grabbed the heel of Esau as he was coming out. And all through his life, he's tripping people up by grabbing their heel, you know, hiding in the bushes and tripping them up and taking that birthright and taking the blessing and so forth. Now Jacob has to say to God, my name is heel catcher, because I get ahead in life by catching the heels of other people by tripping them up so I can take their place. My name is Jacob. My name is a supplanter. My name is a cheat. I don't play by the rules. I cheat. And God knew Jacob's name, but Jacob needed to confess to God his name, which means cheat, which means heel catcher with the implication of cheat. And the last person, you know who the last person was who asked Jacob what his name was? His father, Isaac. And when Jacob was impersonating Esau, and Isaac asked Jacob, what's your name? 
in Genesis 27, 18. Genesis 27, 18. Who art thou, my son? And Jacob said unto his father, I'm Esau, thy firstborn. Lie, liar. He said, I am Esau. It was a lie. That was the last time that Jacob was asked who, what his name was. And he lied. And he said he was Esau. So he could again catch Esau's heel and trip him up and steal his blessing. And this all comes back to Jacob now. When God asked him, what's your name? And he's thinking, oh, the last person who asked him that was my father, and I lied, and I said it was Esau. When Jacob said to God, my name is Jacob, Jacob was saying, my name is heel catcher. It's like Jacob is different now. Because now he's not saying, my name's Esau. He's saying, my name, he says it correctly, my name really is Jacob. And by saying Jacob, it's like a confession. It's like a confession for Jacob. Now Jacob can hardly speak. He can hardly speak. He's cried all night, and he could hardly speak. But for the last time, he says, my name is a cheek. And he said, Jacob. And with that statement, he was saying to God, oh, God, I'm a cheater. I confess it to you. And in essence, God is saying, good, good. Now you've repented. Now I can bless you. And that was the last time that he used that name. And from now on, he says, your name is going to be Israel. Because no more Jacob, but now Israel, which goes along with 2 Corinthians 5.17, 2 Corinthians 5.17. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. All things are become new. And when God said to Jacob in verse 28, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel, for as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and has prevailed. God was saying to Jacob, Jacob, Jacob is now finished. Jacob is finished. Jacob has died. Israel is born. Israel is born again. Israel will have power with God, will prevail over men. That's the beginning of Israel. Jacob died. Israel was born just like it says in Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And in verse 29, Jacob asked God, what's your name? And God wouldn't tell him. Because he had to wait. A little bit of time, a few thousand years, till finally we get the name. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And then in verse 30, Jacob knew he saw God. He knew that. He knew he saw God face to face. He saw Jehovah Jesus, and he lived. He lived. How is that possible? Jesus said, no man sees God and lives, but a man sees Jesus and lives, and Jesus is God. And so Jacob walks away with a limp. He's got a limp now which is a lifelong reminder of where Jacob died at Peniel and where Israel was born at Peniel. And that's Jacob's burial place, spiritually speaking. And that was Israel's birthplace. But don't miss how Jacob got the blessing that he wanted in verse 29. In verse 29, it says, and he blessed him there. Jacob really was blessed there with a new name. God looked Jacob in the face and said, no more Jacob. A no more Jacob, you now have a new name, a new name. I crown you with the new name of Israel. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. No more a cheat. 
no more a cheat, no more Jacob, no more. I crown you now a prince, a prince with God. And that's what God wants to do. God wants to change people's names. No longer a sinner, but a saint. No longer a son of the devil, but a son of God. He wants to write the name of the Lord Jesus Christ over our lives. He wants to write over each person's life. That's Christ's man. That's Christ's woman. No longer your name, but Christ's man. That's why it says in Galatians 2.20, not I, but Christ. Nevertheless, I live, not I. A new power. He blessed him with a new power. Now you have power with God. Thou hast power with God and with men. Till now, for Jacob, it was his own energy. It was his own cleverness. It was his anxiety. It was his worry. But not now. Now there's a new power. There's a new power with God and with men. A new power that's able to strive with God, to wrestle with God, a new power in prayer. That's what we sang tonight. Power in prayer. But you shall receive power, Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you'll be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Samaria, Judea and Samaria, uttermost parts of the earth. Jacob's got a new vision. He's been blessed with a new vision. It says in Proverbs 29, 18, 29, 18, Proverbs, where there's no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law happy is he. But where there is vision, there's life. There's life. And he said, I've seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. There, Jacob was telling others how to get the same life he had. He said, Jacob, he said, Jacob's now a life giver. He's saying, look at God and live, look and live. A soul winner is a life giver. Up until now, Jacob saw that his life had been wasted. His life was useless. It was worthless. It was purposeless. It was aimless. But now he's going to live. Now he's going to live for God. His life is preserved. And if a Christian has never yielded to God and is only living for himself, then that person's life is wasted. It is without purpose. It is aimless. And it doesn't matter if that person is a Christian. He's living for self as a wasted life. And Jacob said that he was now beginning to live. And Jacob got a new name. He got a new power. He got a new vision. It all happened here when God cornered his man and crippled his man so that he could crown his man. And that's the question for us. That's the question. We don't have to go down this road like Jacob did. We don't have to go down this. We can yield. We can yield. We can smash the barriers that are keeping us from God to get the new name, the new power, the new vision. I mean, there's that moment, you know, that today was, you may know, today was the last day of the Barnum and Bailey Circus. How many saw the, ever saw the Barnum and Bailey Circus? Yeah, most of you did. I didn't like the animals. None of the animals made me nervous. I thought, you know, this is so crazy. That animal could tear them apart in a minute. I don't like that. You know what I really loved about the Barnum and Bailey? The trapeze. Oh, man, was that exciting? flying through the air. And then when the trapeze artist would, would, would just let go and fly through the air so he could be caught by the other one. Oh, wow. And I think about this passage, and God is saying to us, let go and let me catch you. Now's the time. Let go and I'll catch you. Let me become your new confidence. I'll catch you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for Jacob. And thank you, Lord, so much for that you are the God of Jacob. Teach us more and more in our life what this means. 
as you as the God of Jacob. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program was brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.